I don't know what kind of week you're having or what kind of week you are going to have. This may be like, you know, fourth quarter, got to get got to get that shopping done now kind of moment for you as we kind of head into Christmas week now. Um, so this is either, you know, for, for many, um, you kind of live on the spectrum this time of year, right? This is a very calm, peaceful, you did your shopping in July, like you are good to go, everything is set. Or, you know, you're thinking, oh, no, this is go time. We're going to have to figure this out. And it's a pretty chaotic time of year. Um, one, of the, one of the best purchases of my life is the couch that we have in our living room right now. I love that thing, okay? And I'm, I'm okay. I'm a man enough to admit that I love that thing, okay? Um, and often I'll find myself sitting on this couch. It's kind of, you know, you have your spot. I have a couple of spots. I enjoy sitting there. And, and I'll sit there, and it's kind of this peaceful place for me, right? Because it's relaxing. It's comforting. But oftentimes, and probably more times than not, I will be sitting there in, in this, this wonderful purchase, this wonderful couch that I like to be on, and I will be in a moment of peace when all of a sudden there will be two little ones, I won't name any names, but they sit right over here, all of a sudden will jump all around me on this couch. It is like a jungle gym. It is a place of imagination and play. And all of a sudden I've got kids not only jumping over me, but jumping on me, right? So this peaceful, this kind of, this, this comforting moment turns chaotic all of a sudden. And I think we can think of not only this time of year like this, but we can think of life in a lot of ways this way. That our seasons of, of life kind of tend to, to have these moments where we enjoy, where everything seems to be in order, but then all of a sudden, chaos ensues, right? They're jumping all over us. They're all around us. It's everywhere. It's loud. It's, it's chaos in, in the purest form. And even then, we find these moments. Because in this season of Christmas, the season that we are experiencing right now, whether it's peaceful and calm and you might find yourself in that moment of peace, you may also find yourself in the chaos and the message of Jesus's arrival of Emmanuel is a message for us on no matter, no matter where we may find ourselves. It is a message of truth that changes life, that changed the course of human history, and is the, is the truth and the reality that continues to change God's people this very day. I'd like to dwell for just a moment in Luke chapter 2. I want to pick up in verse 4. I want us to dwell into the story, into the reality of Jesus' arrival, of God with us, as Matthew calls it. Luke chapter 2, let's pick up in verse 4. Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over the flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, 
Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to him. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth to those, uh, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and let's see this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about. And that's what we do. We, much like those shepherds in the field, we go to Bethlehem this time of year to see what has happened because what has happened is God came to be with us. And the question I want to begin with this morning as we dwell onto this reality and this truth of Jesus' coming, of Jesus' birth, of Emmanuel, is do we recognize the presence of Christ in our lives? This, uh, this message series that we are in this Christmas is called You Are Here. One of the great, um, one of the great truths that I am contending to is that Because of Jesus' arrival, God holds you very close to His heart. And I'm, I'm curious, do we recognize when we are there? Does the reality of God coming to be with us, Jesus, His birth, do we recognize the impact that it has, the, the fundamental alteration of who we are and what happens before us or in front of us? Do we recognize that we are close to the heart of God? Do you recognize it? Because if we are honest, there is so much that goes on around us, right? There seems to be chaos And we hear stories, and I love how Mike and our communion thoughts made mention of the chaos that must have been going on in the manger, but we read stories as Luke portrays them in Luke chapter 2, and it seems peaceful, right? It's a birth. I've been a part of, and I say a part of in the most liberal sense, right? Four births, and there is anything but peacefulness that goes on in the birth of a child. But there's chaos involved in this story. But we read it and we take it in and we see the cuteness, the peacefulness, the gentleness. And there is that involved in the story, but we also need to recognize that in the midst of the chaos, God is coming not to redeem or to, to push aside, to get rid of the chaotic moment, but God is coming to draw you closer To him. Do we recognize that God holds us closely to his heart? Because when God, uh, when we are close to God's heart, not only is our perceptions, is our reactions, our words, our actions, all these things changed by the truth of Jesus' arrival. 
But we begin to recognize and see the separation of what it means to be a child of God and to not be a child of God. What it means to be close to the heart of God and to live outside of the heart of God. It's very different outside of the heart of God, isn't it? It's very different out there. It's very different. And you and I, we all experience this difference. We experience this when we turn on the news, when we open the newspaper. We experience this when we have conversations with certain coworkers. We experience this when we confront our own struggles about doing the right thing or the godly thing in certain moments or situations of life. It's very different world order than the one that is composed by the, by the arrival of Jesus in Luke chapter 2. Heaven opens up. Heaven opens up in Jesus' arrival to declare that there is a new way, that there is something beyond the, the difference of the world that is here. There is a new world order in the kingdom of God because Jesus comes to hold you close to his heart. And yet, we are confronted with the difference of everything that happens outside, right? Everything that happens out there is different. The view is different. The procedures are different. The goals are different. It's different out there. And we see that and we are confronted with this gentleness, with this truth and this reality of God coming to be with us and the reality of the world and the chaos and the darkness that is out there. I don't know what your Christmas feels like, but oftentimes, especially in here, and as I said in this fourth quarter, it feels a lot like this, where everything is just on fire. There's a picture there, right? And I can't tell if this is doctored or if it's real, but it feels real, right? Where it's peaceful, it's a moment, it says home safe home, right? All the, all the gifts are there, but yet... In the middle of all of this, that's supposed to be gentle and nice and reassuring of Jesus coming to be with us, there is chaos all around us. It's different out there. It's chaos, and we're confronted with this truth, especially when we get to Luke chapter 2, verse 13 and 14. Again, heaven opens up in Jesus, at Jesus' birth. The message to the shepherds is that Jesus has arrived and heaven opens. And in the midst of what is going on in the manger, heaven opens up to declare that in the midst of the chaos, that God has arrived. And they sing glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. And on earth, peace. Peace. Peace to those whom his favor rests. There's not a lot of peace in this world, is there? How can heaven open up with the Christmas tree on fire and declare that there is peace on earth? Well, we have to confront the idea that peace is circumstantial. Because I don't think heaven opens up, the angels begin to sing and declare that the truth of Jesus' arrival, the reality that changes the course of human history and our lives, 
is based on the circumstances. Peace is not circumstantial. Peace is not about what is going on around us. Peace happens even in the chaos. Peace is attainable even when the tree is on fire or the children are jumping and screaming in your face. Peace is is an attainable place because of not what happens around us, but because of who God is. Emmanuel, the God who came to be with us. And so peace doesn't become based on circumstances. Peace now becomes based on who Jesus is, it becomes an internal matter, not an external matter. And the word that peace is used, and uh, I can't find an instance in Scripture where, where this definition is not, is not relevant, but is most certainly relevant in the story of Jesus' birth. Whether you read Luke or Matthew, when you get to the idea of peace on earth, unto whom his favorite rests, peace is about wholeness. It's about wholeness. In other words, you can look at it this way, peace and wholeness is when all essential parts are joined together. I love that definition. I took it. Peace is about wholeness. When all essential parts are joined together, it is the gift of God's wholeness in the presence of Jesus. Heaven opens up, not to declare that the circumstances have changed around Jesus, but that Jesus is changing the circumstances because God's wholeness is now a part of the story of human history and our lives. That God came to complete us. God came to be with you, share with you, live with you, love on you, and die for you. That God's complete whole being came into this earth. And the circumstances and the tree may be on fire and the kids may be jumping and screaming, but God is with you even in the chaotic moments and when the tree is on fire. Because his wholeness, his livelihood, his, his utter being is there with you. And this peace to which heaven speaks of is a peace about God's wholeness. So peace now becomes not wholly dependent on what is taking place around me, but peace is now determined by what is taking place within me. By what is taking place within me. Um, A few years ago, a few short years ago, I, I went through uh, some depression. And at the time, I didn't know that. wasn't aware of that. But it manifested itself in distancing of relationships. It manifested itself in short tempers. It manifested itself by wanting to shut down and not really be a part of of normal activities, things that you would typically, or at least I would typically associate with myself with. And as I, as I kind of, uh, um, this kind of evolved and grew and I began to understand towards uh, what I'll call the tail end of, and I'm telling my story, I know there are many stories and many different experiences of, of types of depression. But what I began to understand 
was that my negative attitude, my negative reaction, my negative words, my, my place of distance was not just because of what was taking place around me, right? External factors are always going to matter. Circumstances are always going to affect. But that's not all that was taking place because what was happening inside of me, this is upon reflection, what was taking place deep inside of me was distance from my God. I wasn't engaged with Him. I, I, wasn't, I wasn't too concerned about, about Scripture or prayer time. And once I began to kind of put that piece together, which I'm not saying was easy or was it linear, and once I figured that out, everything got better. I'm not saying that. But once I began to see it into spiritual terms, when I began to kind of process that, that distance here was, was a part of distance within me and my relationship with God, I began to see and understand that the rut or the hole that I was in, which seemed impossible to pull myself out of, was not my job to pull myself out of. It was my job to seek the, the counsel and the presence of God himself. I hope this makes some, somewhat sense. That when I began to pull and draw myself closer to God, I began to see not the impossible feat of getting out of the rut or the hole, but I began to see that God was with me in the rut and the hole. That the circumstances may not change. They may not go the way I want. See, one of the most dangerous things we can do spiritually, one of the most dangerous things we can do spiritually is start trying to control or manipulate the situation and circumstances around us. Because if we think that peace is all about what's going on around me, we will begin to distance God within me. Because what becomes most important is what happens around me and not what is going on deep inside my soul. And when I began to kind of process the idea that God is there with me, even, even in my short-temperedness, I was able to kind of recognize some of these things, right? Am I perfect? No. But I was able to see that deeply inside of me, there is a chance for peace and there is peace, there's a chance for peace outside of me because God is with me and He completes me. He brings wholeness to not only my spiritual life, but to my whole being. That is the definition of who God is. And so my desire to be with God, my pursuit and relationship with God, my desire to, to be complete with Him, to join with Him, to seek His counsel, to be with Him in Scripture, to spend time with Him in prayer, those pursuits and those desires and those efforts do not go without vain because they continue to help me draw into the reality that God with me is the reality of no matter what is going on around me. This is, a, this is a very popular meme, and it's been done in many different ways. But I, I like this. I think it helps 
helps me anyways think through some of these things a little bit. You're sitting there, you're having your cup of coffee. This is the couch moment for me, right? And then there's fire all around. And your reaction, and if we're not careful, we think, oh, Jesus, he was born, this beautiful manger. He came to be with us. God, save me. And all of this is supposed to be perfect, but I don't feel perfect, but I'm supposed to act perfect. I'm supposed to act like the house is not on fire. See, the circumstances around us, they affect us. They move us. And it's okay to say not everything is fine. It's okay. Because even if the house is on fire, the tree is on fire, the kids are jumping around, and even if you feel depression and distance and and in your relationships and in the world around you, it's okay to say it is not fine, but God is with you nonetheless. He is with you in the holes and in the ruts. He is with you in the fires. He is with you in the circumstances. And peace is achievable, not because you got it all figured out, but because God is with you as you try to figure things out. So let me turn over to Matthew 2. This is Matthew's uh, continued story of the birth, the kind of continue to bring context to Jesus' birth story. Matthew tells this, uh, tells this uh, the chaos of the birth of Jesus a little more, in a little more detail. So um, as we kind of build this context up and as we start to wind this down, Matthew chapter 2, picking up in verse 13. When they had gone, the wise men had gone, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up! Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt! Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. Now, that seems pretty scary. You just have a newborn child. You're, I mean, you're in a barn. Things seem to be okay. Wise men showed up. Angels have appeared. This seems like it could be a pretty peaceful moment. And yet God brings warning that chaos is all around you. Verse 14, so Joseph got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. And when Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. This is the part of the Christmas story we typically get at, you know, skip over, right? Mass death and chaos, darkness, hatred. It's a part of the Christmas story. Uncertainty and running because the circumstances around them are scary and difficult because God leads them not to stand and sit with a cup of coffee and say everything's fine, He leads them to move out, to do something to get out of. And Jesus is raised in Egypt, outside of. Here's what I want to do as we wind this down. Is I want us to know a couple of things. I want to look at two stories. I'm going to look at them very quickly. I'm going to resist every urge in my body 
to not stop and dwell on the, to these two stories very long. That's my caveat, very long, okay? Because what I want us to do is I want us to know that this idea, I want us to leave with this idea, with this truth, that when you are close to the heart of God, peace is known there. That's the gift of Jesus' arrival. Circumstances are not the gift. And we see that even in the Christmas story. Even in Christmas, things can get pretty chaotic. It doesn't mean Christmas will fix your relationships, your turmoil, your anxiety, your uncertainty, your distance. But what we need to know is, is when we find ourselves in the truth and in the reality of God with you, peace is possible. As Paul puts it, the peace that surpasses all of our understanding in Philippians chapter 4. So, two quick examples. First, Mark chapter 4. One of my favorite stories. Jesus with His disciples, and that day when the evening came, He says to those disciples, let's go over to the other side. Verse 36, leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There was also other boats with them. In verse 37, a furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and they said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? And he got up. He rebuked the wind and he said to the waves, Peace, or quiet, be still. The wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to the disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And they were terrified. And they asked each other, who is this guy? Even the winds and the waves obey him. Even if life feels like a storm, You are near the heart of God. Maybe one of the most spiritually beneficial things you can do this Christmas season is take inventory of where you are. Some of us want to deny there's a storm. Some of us want to sit at the table, drink a cup of coffee, even when the winds are crashing up against us. And I love Mark chapter 4 because even when the storm is raging and the disciples think all is lost, Jesus is in the boat. And I will contend that Jesus is not rebuking their fear of the waves. He's rebuking that they have not called on His presence sooner. You, even in the midst of of trouble and anxiety and worry and chaos, you are at the heart of God. And lastly, John chapter 20. John 20, Jesus has been crucified. He's been raised from the dead. He has begun to appear to those closest to Him. And in John chapter 20, we find Jesus going to most of the disciples who are hiding out. They are fearful of their lives. There is fear-driven decision-making going on within the disciples. And so they have locked themselves up 
away from anyone who could find them or recognize them. And on that evening, John 20, verse 19, the first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came, he stood among them, and he said, and notice Jesus went through a locked door. I'm not going to explain that one, but he did it. And he appears to those that were closest to him in their fear. And he says, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed him his hands and his side. The disciples, they were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. And again, Jesus said to them, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them. And he said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. And fear. When it seems safer to lock the door, God is with you. And he holds you close to his heart. You are there close to him. I love John chapter 20 because I love the visual of Jesus standing before his closest disciples and breathing on them. Literally, he just blows air on them. And he does this to not only symbolize the reception or the giving of the Holy Spirit, he does this because he wants them to come and to know that even in remarkable, scary, confusing moments, they are still His disciples. He marks them with His breath, His Spirit. He marks them with new life and a new way of living. That the chaos is all around you outside of this locked room. It is out there. The Jewish leaders are going for you. All of this is real. But I have marked you with a new way of living you can live close to the heart of God because He completes us. He completes them. So this occasion is marked with Jesus' breath. And it's significant because the Spirit is now there. Jesus is with them. They are whole once again. Emmanuel doesn't leave. Emmanuel brings peace. And no matter what may be going on around us or to us, whatever may be going on in the world around us, we have a decision to make. The decision is, are we going to accept that God is pulling us close to His heart? That God wants to be whole and complete with you this very day? Or will we continue to live into the chaos all around us and think that we just have to accept it and it's all fine and, and, and all around us? Or will we accept that yes, a lot of things don't go the way we want them to go, but that's not the peace to which heaven opens up and declares and sings on the day that Jesus is born. The peace to which Jesus brings in Emmanuel that God brings through His Son, Jesus Christ. The peace that comes and changes us is the peace of His presence in all of our situations that we may experience. The peace that comes this very day. That's Christmas, isn't it? At least I think it is. Emmanuel, that truth, that truth is worth living and moving. And that's the invitation this morning. I'll make myself available this morning here at the front.
One of our shepherds, David Kern, will make himself available in the back of this cafeteria this morning. You can find either one of us this morning. And if we as, as, as leaders, ministers, and shepherds can help in any way, uh, pray for you. If this church can, can rally around you, pray for you, be with you, whatever may be going on in the chaos, I want you to know you have a church that seeks wholeness and peace, seeks being close to the heart of God. If there's anything we can do to help you, please come find myself forward or David Kern in the back. We want this not to be a perfect place, but to be a peaceful place. A place where God's presence is known and experienced in everything we do or whatever may be going on. Let's stand together and let's sing.